Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Well, hello there. It's Ayers on the Road, Richard and Linda Ayer, sitting in the same place we were sitting last week. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't done too much. We're not only not on the road, we're not even on the sidewalk. We're not even <laughs> in the elevator. We're we're sort of quarantined, <laughs> largely, sort of. largely at the urging of our children who keep saying, don't go anywhere. I will bring you groceries. I'll bring you don't groceries. Go you're, you're vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> and we are. We have to admit it. We are. We have been very careful. We have masks. We have gloves. We are really really going for it. And you know, we've spent a lot of time, Linda, thinking about how, you know, what we could do to encourage and cheer up a lot of you. I mean, this is an interesting thing. Right at first, I was like, great, hey, we'll just stay home and read books and enjoy ourselves. And, you know, uh, then we started missing the grandkids, then we started missing everyone. And then we started and time, which started out going so slow, now goes pretty fast. Yeah, Every it's amazing. Those first few days, like I've eaten seven meals and had three naps, and it's still today. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could say that, but um, it really is crazy. It Time is starting to go faster, and I'm realizing that there is a lot to do. I did 18 things yesterday that have been on the, the back burner for so long, and I just checked them off, checked them off, checked them off. But here's the thing, uh, just to jump right into it. we I woke up this morning, I haven't told you this yet, Linda, but I woke up this morning with two poems in my mind. And, and actually, I don't know where they came from, but they're both really, really comforting uh, especially the second one, which you know and which you're going to read in a minute, which will lead right into our topic for today. But the first one, the one that was on right on the top of my mind when I woke up was a Shakespeare quote that I memorized a long time ago. Our kids did too. We, we used to try to memorize one saying or one beautiful verse or something every week. And this one really stuck with me, and I haven't thought of it, though, for years. And, and I woke up this morning thinking this quote from Shakespeare. Um, Sweet are the uses of adversity, which, like the toad, ugly and venomous, wears yet a precious jewel in his head. And so our lives, free from public haunt, find tongues in trees sermons in stone, books in the running brooks, and good in everything. Wow. Isn't that perfect for today? It is, it is perfect for today. It's amazing that you can remember those things. Once you get it stuck in your mind. Oh, they stay there. In fact, before we go into the next one, I have to say, I woke up yesterday with a song in my mind that is my mother's favorite song. This is her theme song. Have you done any good in the world today? Have you helped anyone in need? Have you cheered up the sad and helped someone feel glad? If not, you have failed indeed. So I spent the day yesterday kind of Trying spreading do, some yeah, cheer. That's what you do so well, honey. You, when, well, I get feeling sorry for myself or that we're stuck or something. And Lynn is just thinking of what she can do to help other people, which is... <laughs> Pretty awesome, but yeah, but that Shakespeare thing is is remarkable. Well, think about what he's saying there, or what, what at least what the interpretation is for now during this pandemic. 
Sweet are the uses of adversity, which, like the toad, ugly and venomous, wears yet a precious jewel in his head. In other words, that everything seems hard and difficult and we're constrained and we're worried and we're, in some cases, grief-stricken. But what's the precious jewel, that beautiful eye of the toad that's, that's beautiful? Where, that's a, that's a, a, a less common way of saying, where's the silver lining? And then it goes to such an interesting thing. And so our lives free from public haunt. Boy, we are free from public haunt. <laughs> we don't go, we, I walked around Temple Square in Salt Lake the other day, and, and there, I didn't see a soul. I did, too. Not a single soul. I did, too, later in the evening. Free from public haunt. What do we find? We find tongues in trees. We find books in the running brooks. We find sermons in stone and good in everything. Well, you know, if, if you can get out in nature during this time, there's nothing like it. And you will find tongues in trees and books in the running brooks. And, and even if you're in the middle of a city like we are right now, the flowers, just to walk out, to look at the sky, there, there's beauty. And in a way, there, there's more solitary beauty now because there's fewer people. There's no hustle and bustle. There's no traffic. So get out and see some things. Now, a lot of you are stuck at home with your children and you're like, yeah, I wish I could. You know, I'm yeah, here. Or and we know how tough this is. In a concrete somebody. jungle, that would be really hard. Yeah. We have a son who just moved from New York City after living there for six years or so. Yeah, yeah. And, Thank uh, goodness he just got they out. They are time. in Hawaii. They are so happy. But they're getting lots of information from friends who are just not happy. It is really not a happy place to be in New York City. Well, here's the other poem that was in my mind as I woke up today. And it's one you and I share a lot. We talk about it a lot. But this is by William Wordsworth. And by the way, maybe this was in my mind, Linda, because yesterday um, happened to be an anniversary, an interesting time. Wordsworth, there's a particular day Wordsworth wrote one of his most famous poems. I think it's about uh, that restless cloud, or I forget the title, but it's about finding this gorgeous field of daffodils. And it affected him deeply, and he drew a lot of metaphors from it and so on. And I, I was aware of that the other day, so maybe that had to do with waking up today and thinking of these lines from his poem, Ode to Im Imitations of Mortality. Intimations. Intimations. And maybe maybe many of you are familiar with this, but after Linda reads it, let me, let me express why I think this is a thought or a concept that is tremendously useful during this pandemic for ourselves as individuals and for our families. This is one of my favorite things in the world. Uh, and I, it comes to light so beautifully after the birth of every one of our children. Wow, it is so deep and so moving. So this is it, and you'll recognize it. Our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting. The soul that rises with us, our life star, hath, hath had elsewhere its setting and cometh from afar, not in other nakedness, and not in entire forgetfulness, but trailing clouds of glory do we come from God, who is our home. I love that. And then people usually leave off the last sentence, which is the most precious to me. 
especially at the birth of a baby. Heaven lies about us in our infancy. And that is so true. Anybody who's seen a newborn baby, they come with heaven. There is no doubt about it. If we could just keep that with us all the time, it would help our souls so much. Well, and here's the interesting thing. Um, all great Christian religions, and indeed all religions of any nature that I know of, contemplate a life after death. That's really sort of the reason for the religion and so on. But very few contemplate a life before birth. In other words, most people who consider themselves spiritual think of an eternity going forward, but not an eternity going backward. Now, there are exceptions to that. Hindus and, and Buddhists and others believe in some form of reincarnation where we've lived before, but as a different person or even a different animal. But that extends backward a little bit. But we want to talk to you today about what we think Wordsworth is talking about, and we want to tie it into a thought which is very, very helpful during this pandemic. It's a perspective thing. In other words, if you are stuck in the present, and that's all you're thinking about, even though normally we try to live in the present, we try to be mindful and so on. But in a pandemic, we need perspective. We need to see a bigger sweep of time. We need to see something broader so that this one little moment that we're in right now, this moment of crisis and for some death and worry and and panic and so on. We need to see that in a broader sweep, in a bigger perspective. And really, how could how could this be interpreted any other way? I mean, think of these words again. Our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting. The soul that rises with us, our life star, the real us, had elsewhere its setting and cometh from afar. It, it existed before our birth. And, and, it, and it, 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 not in utter nakedness and not in entire forgetfulness. Everyone has deja vu. Everyone has moments when they, they meet someone they've never met, but they think they have, or they go to a place they've never been, but it's familiar. There's all these things in the back of our heads and back of our spirits that indicate we came from somewhere else. Trailing clouds of glory do we come from God, who is our home. And even though very few religions teach or contemplate a life before birth, many people in our experience of lots of different religions and of no religion still believe that they didn't start at their birth. They started, there's more to them than a bunch of genetics that, and, and, and that was created by their mother and father and was born in the womb. I think more people believe that than we know. I mean, it's just inside of them, but they just haven't thought about it. And many people have thought about it. But I, I think this our, our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting. I think someone said this once, and I really believe it. The reason babies sleep so much when they're little <laughs> is that they're forgetting. They're forgetting. There was a they veil. The veil is there, so they they are forgetting. They can't just talk to us and tell us where they came from. And I love that concept. I think that it is so true. They they could tell us so much if they could just talk. They could just talk. Learn to talk a little sooner. And many, most of you, a lot of you who are listening, know that in in the faith that we adhere to, 
there is detail, not detailed, but there is extensive teaching about something we call a pre-mortal existence. And it's a very important time. It's a time when the plans for this mortality were laid out. So, you know, the, 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 the three great religious questions that people have pondered since the beginning of time, where did I come from? Why am I here? And where am I going? It's, it's the first one that gets short shift. People think a lot about why they're here, and people think a lot about where they're going, especially if they're religious. But very few in the total scheme of things have any basis or any background or any information with which to think about the first question, where did I come from? Well, you have done a lot of research on this. This is uh, what we're talking about today will be coming from a book that you did many years ago. Do you know what number it is? Uh, yeah, I don't think, well, I don't think we uh, figured that out. But anyway, you spent many, many hours, and actually it was published in, an, in a national uh, format. I mean, because it was published Simon by Simon & Schuster. Company. Well, it was, they had a book called Life After Life. That was that was a bestseller, and uh, I wrote this book called Life Before Life, Life Before Birth, and um, it, it did well. It, it, but but it, you know, I think it was a new thought to many many people. But getting back to that point, Linda, why is the question where did I come from so important, and why is it particularly important right now? I think when we're in the middle of a crisis like this, something about thinking broader. Thinking of a bigger thing, thinking yeah. with a wider perspective, helps to put this moment in time when we're all worried and some are sick and some are dying. Um, and there's a great deal of uncertainty, and it seems like it's the biggest thing that's ever happened. And for many of us, it may be. But to think of that in this broader sense, this broader perspective, and to realize that we came from somewhere else and we're going somewhere else, and it's an eternal sweep of time, and we'll get through this one little moment. So let's take a little break, and when we come back, let's talk a little more about life before life and how it impacts us right now. Hang on. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And we're back today talking about life before life. It really is a fascinating topic to think about, especially in a time when everybody is introspective and contemplating. Well, and it's a time to think about, you know, we're bigger than this. We're bigger than this one little moment. We're bigger than the adversity that we're facing right now. In fact, adversity is part of it. Where's yet a precious jewel in his head? Sweet are the uses of adversity. Many people are learning things from this experience and this pandemic that they would never know otherwise. And put, in, put into this broader scheme of things, it just makes so much sense. So we want to give you a few more thoughts on the power of thinking about, you know, life before birth. What a tremendous thought it is. I want you to think for a minute about some questions that everyone ponders at some point in their life. And sometimes they're questions that are so difficult and so 
ominous that they actually rob people of their faith. And I think we should just read this list. And as we do, think about this and ponder how these can be answered only if we know about some kind of life before life. Okay, let's take every other one. Okay. Why is there such suffering, such cruelty? It's a question so many deal with, from philosophers to common people. Why is there such inequity? Some who have so much and some who have so little. Why do some things seem so familiar when we see them for the first time? That's that deja vu question that we all experience. Why are children within the same family so completely different from each other? Same parents, same environment, and it's just amazing how different they are. Where do our gifts, our inclinations, our talents, and our opportunities, many of which we have from birth, come from? Where do those things come from? Why are some people gifted at one thing, some at another? And they're not physical gifts. They're something deeper than that. Um, why is there such a difference and division among religions? Would not God lead us all in one way? Why do most people feel such need, such drive for independence, for ownership, for control? Yeah. Why are we so drawn to nature and to animals. Mm. Again, back to what what Shakespeare said. How, why is it that we find in our in our best moments, our most contemplative moments, why do we find tongues in trees and books in the running brooks and sermons in stone? Why where does that draw to nature come from? Why do some things and some people ring true to us and feel right while other things feel wrong? Where does that come from? Why, why do we have that inbred so conscience? Where, where did that come from? Did that just develop when we were babies in the womb, or did it come from somewhere else? And maybe my favorite question of all, why are we moved by some things? Why, why are we touched by some things when we have no intention of becoming emotional? I, I share this trait with one of my daughters when I read something really beautiful, whether it's a line of poetry or a quotation or a, a scripture that just just penetrates my soul, I, I get choked up, I get emotional, I get moved. And we're sometimes moved just by excellence. And, and excellence, I know Linda, some some of the symphonies or whatever will 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 just, just brings tears to your eyes. Because yeah. it's so, so beautiful. beautiful. So think about those questions and, and many would say, well they're unanswerable, you know. I mean, they're they're too big. Why is there such suffering and cruelty? Uh, why is there such inequity? Why do some things seem familiar? They're unanswerable. Well, we think that they're imminently answerable if we contemplate that we didn't start when we were birthed. We didn't flare into existence in the womb or when we were conceived or when we were born. There's much more to us than that. We've lived for a very, very long time. In fact, we've lived so long that maybe time doesn't apply. Maybe only eternity does. And we feel so blessed to have some insight that where we lived was actually with God. And when we refer to Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother, we're not thinking metaphorically. We're thinking of 
the literal parents of our spirit, who we believe we lived with before we came to this life. And we believe the plan for building this earth and sending us here and the agency and freedom and ups and downs and goods and bads and all the different things that happen in this laboratory we're all part of a plan and, and that gives so much comfort and it gives answers to all of these difficult questions that we've just read well i think um it's amazing because that i think you i mean you can't you can't completely mesh that inspiration and ideas with that all came from heaven but it's, it has to do with your soul the soul that you were yeah, born with yeah. that you that you can they came to with you and i do think that it is really interesting that you can just suddenly have a thought and think that's what i need to do that's what i need to do yeah. and it really is amazing <clears throat> i i do have to say you have a, too many of those thoughts <laughs> It, Richard has an idea every day. He Some, goes. Not many of them are really good. No, but. they're all good. And he goes out for a walk and gets back and says, Oh, I've got so many great. I thought of a great idea. Well, and I'm where, like, where do oh, those come no, from? Because they, one. I mean, where do flashes of them? And of course, people say, Well, they're, they're inspiration. They come from the spirit and so on. And that's great. But some of them are deep within us from an earlier time. We speak of a veil. A veil that blocks our memory, and that's what Wordsworth was talking about. Not right. in utter nakedness and not in entire forgetfulness, but trailing clouds of glory do we come from God who is our home. But we have this little bit of, the, it's, a, it's a translucent veil. We can't remember specifically this pre-mortal life, but light comes through it somehow, and we feel certain things. Uh, we have one daughter and, um, named Shawnee who um, who um, likes to talk about thin places uh, when she's in a particularly beautiful spot. In fact, this is the mother of the, the, the daughter, the granddaughter, who I performed the marriage for just a week ago. And we were out on this red rock, beautiful plateau overlooking the Colorado River. And it was just a beautiful, gorgeous setting and a gorgeous day. And one of the things she's talked about since then is that was one of the thin places. That veil was very thin. And, I, could, yeah. I could feel that there was something bigger than this earth. I could feel other people. Angels. Angels, who people who have been here before on the earth and people who maybe haven't yet had their turn on earth in this pre-mortal life. I could feel them there. This and was a thin place. We don't know, but some of our dearly beloved ancestors um, might have been there. I, I We felt their spirit strongly. It really is amazing to think about this at a time during a pandemic um, where we just kind of, when are we going to get back to normal? When are we going to get back to normal? And really, I hope we don't ever get back to normal. It's not ever going to be the same. Yeah. This this is a time we can spend that feels like an intermission in our lives, no matter where we are. And that's that a good thing. point. Yeah. And it really is a time to think deeply and to uh, decide where you want to go and feel feel deeply. What are you doing? In, what are you doing in intermission? You think about what happened in the first act of the play, and and you 
contemplate what might happen next. Yeah. It's, a, it's an intermission. And speaking to that metaphor, Linda, you know, um, life makes more sense if you think of it as a three-act play. And this middle act that we're in right now is a very short one, relatively extremely short, but very, very important. And the first act was this pre-mortal life. And the third act is our life after this life. And there's a flow between them. And thinking about all three, you know, people, there's a lot of talk in, in mindfulness sort of contemplation circles about living in the present. And, and it is wonderful to be mindful and to think about, to be fully present. But the best way, I think, to think is to, to have your mind work is to live in the past and the present and the future in the big sense of the word, to, to contemplate that we were somewhere before we were here and we are going somewhere after we're here. And this life becomes even more consequential because it's the first time for so many things. It's the first time we've had physical bodies. It's the first time we've been able to be parents and have children. It's the first time we've had agency and the ability to, cho to choose and to, and to dictate our own destiny, which is a frightening thing, but also a tremendous gift. And if we think about all those things, we, we become able to look at things in a, in a really, really powerful way. So back to this, this book, one of the things that's intriguing, at least to us in retrospect, is where we wrote this. Um, and I say we, you helped a lot with it, even though this, this book only has my name on it. But a few years ago, we had an amazing experience. We, with seven of our children, seven now, there were seven of us all together. We had five children. Oh, just five of our one kids. Was on a mission, I think maybe one six. was married, one had children. But we, yeah. we, we, we were in Africa. We were doing a humanitarian <laughs> ex expedition in Kenya. And when we were done, we climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. And it was an amazing experience. It took five days to climb it. And every day you, you go through a different uh, level. You, you, you're in, you start in a tropical rainforest, and then you're in a desert, and then you're, you know, you're in a place that looks like you're on the moon, and so on. And then you're on a glacier, and you finally get to the top of this amazing mountain. And we summited it just before sunset and watched the sun come up over the continent of Africa. And um, that was actually the place where I felt so strongly during those five days of slogging up the mountain and two days coming down that I should try to write this book about life before life. Not to people who already believe in a pre-mortal life, but to people who've never thought about it before. And as I did, I found so many resources, so many people, not, only, not just Wordsworth, a lot of different poets, a lot of different philosophers who have essentially said, Life makes no sense if we think of our birth as the beginning. It only makes sense when we contemplate that we lived before. And so we just want you to think about that for the next few days. And, and we want to make a gift to you. Um, this book is completely free. In fact, we want to invite you to spend a little time on the simple website, IrishFreeBooks.com. IrishFreeBooks.com and scroll down 
to this book called Life Before Life and just click the button and just read through parts of it and it will give you some sense of how amazing it is to think in the longer term and how comforting it is in this very, very difficult time. Don't spend too much time thinking about life before this life, this intermission. Right. <laughs> Think about what you're going to be doing after this this intermission because it's so important. But there's so many great things we can do while we're there. We One more quick invitation, just while I'm thinking about it. Our Instagram page is just called Richard, Linda, Hire, all strung together. And we're talking about this same topic there, and we'd love for you to be on that Instagram page. So have a great week and we'll see you next time on Ayers on the Road. Thanks for, for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.